We're going to start out with the initial question, which is what's what's involved here with uh, with Shopgo. Uh, this is just a series of evolutions in terms of large box retail that we've seen over the last 40 or 50 years in this country, and particularly Wisconsin. I can remember when and some of these names others may not recall, but I can remember when Arlen's closed. We lost uh, uh, the Prangy Waves and the Prangies. We lost uh, Treasure Island. And, of course, most recently we saw what happened with the Boston store. The critical question is what happens to the land, what happens to the real estate, and can we take this and turn it into an opportunity? We know that, at least in terms of shopping centers, it's estimated that in the United States we have about 50% more shopping centers than we need. In other words, about 600 shopping centers to perhaps 900 shopping centers could be closed and uh, the retail market wouldn't suffer all that much. We look at these spaces as an opportunity to really create great urban places. Uh, Our plan department for some time now has been looking at some of these sites to see how we could actually put in a street grid and do the kind of development that we saw at Sequoia Commons and some of the other areas in the city where we have a combination of retail on the ground floor and then uh, offices and housing up above. This is something that's also really valuable in our effort to have food available and accessible throughout the community. Uh, One of the most challenging uh, uh, businesses in, in terms of retail is food sales. And it's even more challenging when we're talking fresh foods, uh, vegetables, fruits, and meats. And so we have several instances here in Madison. We have the Fresh Market on University Avenue in the Lucky, and on East Washington, uh, we have, somebody help me, Festival, thank you. (laughs) Over on East Washington, we have Festival Foods. And for the building owners, it makes their apartments more attractive to have a grocery downstairs. And that allows them to, in some instances, provide lower uh, rents than you'd have in a freestanding uh, store. So over the next couple of weeks and months, the plan department will be looking at these sites. We are, are not going to abandon them. We want to make sure that they are productively used I'm not terribly excited, and I hope our ordinances are in place, that they cannot be turned into warehouse type of activities. However, uh, as at least on a temporary basis, making them available for pop-ups, that is a, a productive plan. So that's, that's our immediate thought in regards to the Shopco uh, closings. It hurts a little bit more in this instance since they are a Wisconsin-based company. But uh, we will uh, move on in terms of having a great appreciation for brick-and-mortar stores and hopefully come to a realization that there's uh, a lot more interesting ways to shop than simply pushing a few buttons online. So before we go anywhere else, uh, whoops, there they are.
Okay. It's okay. So are there any other questions on, on Shopko at this point? All right. We're good? Okay. Uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about Judge Doyle. So it sometimes it would be a good idea for people to keep their mouths shut or at least not throw uh, more fuel on the fire and not get into uh, judgments about personalities, but rather stay focused on what we're trying to accomplish. Let me, in a very short way, take you through the time sequence of what has happened. We had a notice of default from Beitler. That was followed by some very productive conversations with Beitler, conversations that I hope cleared the air on certain issues, and is still leading us to the construction of the hotel. Now, then that was followed by something we were required to do, which was to respond to Beitler's notice of default. We couldn't just leave it alone. Um, I wish we had contained ourselves in terms of the, uh, the, the legal part of it and could still focus on what we're trying to accomplish. Some of the outstanding issues which we had to clarify included, first, the difficulty we had in regards to three times attempting to update and get ratification of a modification to the agreement that would take us forward. During the course of those discussions, we oftentimes saw some words exchanged which were not very productive. Then, because of some miscommunications, which partially is on our fault, uh, which had to do with the division of the lots on Block uh, 8088, we created some confusion for Beitler, which I believe we corrected. Now, let me explain. The site that he has control of Excuse me, Block 105, Block 105. The site he has control over is divisible into two parcels, in effect. One parcel for which he is committed to build the hotel, and the second parcel for which he may or may not build housing. It's not required. He has an option. If he doesn't exercise his right to build the hotel within that time frame, uh, then the, the property reverts back to the city. Let's stay focused on the hotel. There are a couple of changes that are being proposed for the hotel. One of those changes involves replacing his underground parking with a swimming pool. That is because the hotel companies that are uh, considering licensing this property want a swimming pool. Nobody has a problem with that. However, under our ordinances, it does require a change in the zoning. The uh, second issue has to do with a possible change in the facade. 
Beitler is very nervous about this because it has to go through city committees and in some instances may have to end up with the city council. And because of, of uh, the failure we had several times to come to agreement with him, because of some of the very antagonistic remarks made by members of the city council, he has not, uh, well, he's been wary of, of working with us. But let me repeat, we received the note of uh, default from him. We had a legal obligation to respond, which we did. And in the interim of that period of time, uh, he and I have worked very constructively on uh, developing a, a plan for the construction of the hotel. We right now, and we hope by Friday, to have sent him a timetable to go through the approval process that is, that is prompted by both the change in regards to moving from an underground parking to a swimming pool and also any changes that may come with the facade. Uh, I'd like, if it's possible, for people to keep the tenor of the conversation as constructive as possible. We are aligned in the singular goal of getting the hotel constructed. And uh, if people would, would uh, silence themselves in regards to any personal feelings uh, in, involved in this matter, it would certainly help. So I think I've pretty well outlined the situation and I'll be glad to answer any questions on Judge Doyle. I guess what was the reason for, so by the notified the city mid-February, um, and then the council did not learn about this until last Friday, if I'm correct? I guess what was the reason for? Uh, because we wanted to make as much progress as possible in negotiating with him without having an explosion. I mean, we are in negotiations, and when you're, you're negotiating these, these matters, uh, public discussion does not help when you've got some people who I think probably want this thing to fail. Wasn't the underground parking a pretty important part of the project? It was, but obviously the people who licensed the flag for the hotel feel that uh, the swimming pool is, is more important than the parking. And you'll recall, in terms of the whole development site, we had a significant number of members of the council who overall wanted to reduce the amount of parking. So uh, it gets us there, in effect. Just to kind of get, because we sure. were a little bit late, I know you were kind of giving some of the background on some of yeah. the, I guess, back and forth between Beitler and the city. Can you kind of go back and explain the default that you guys received, when that was received, and what it entailed, and why there's issues? The, the, the default notice came because of some confusion which related to how we divide the parcels, the two parcels on the block, as well as issues regarding um, the process for getting the parcels approved. One of the confusions that had occurred was that Beitler had interpreted our previous actions to mean that he was required 
to build the apartments simultaneously with the hotel, that he had to do both at once. And they are not required. In fact, uh, he's not required to build the apartments uh, if he so chooses. And that complicated the matter, and that along with uh, some miscommunication about the issue, and I said part of it was uh, our inarticulately responding to one of his inquiries, um, led to him feeling he had no choice but to submit the notice of default. When we received it, what I then did was immediately got in contact with Mr. Beitler, and at that point we started entering discussions, correcting any misunderstandings, and focusing on what it would take to move this forward. We did not want to respond to the notice of default, fearing that if we simply did that without resolving the questions, the ambiguities, that that would lead us into a, a situation where the project would, would go nowhere. So we were bent on, on, on working with their company, working with Mr. Beitler, and uh, at least through the last week, we were doing quite well. Um, and and uh, I received a communication from Mr. Beitler this morning, which was, uh, first of all, uh, in no way antagonistic, and secondly, um, simply asked a question on process and when he would get our proposed timetable. Um, we believe we can get that timetable to him on Friday. What I don't know is whether or not he saw this morning's news articles at the time that he sent this very agreeable uh, email to me this morning. If he had, I'd be, be remiss if I didn't say I'm terribly relieved that he didn't react to a lot of the uh, comments in, in, in some of the stories and is pressing forward uh, on, on this matter. You said you received the notice of default in February, correct? I can't remember the exact date. Oh, just but in, in that month. And yes. then you, you did not make city council aware until this past right. meeting. Right. Yeah. Sorry. And, and, and again, because we wanted to see if we could negotiate and get these matters resolved. Uh, his notice of default and our response would not have been terribly constructive. The only wise thing to do was to um, pursue the course that we did, talking directly with him, clarifying questions of confusion and ambiguity, and at least until our response to the notice of default uh, came out, along with the news stories, things were going very well. And during those conversations that I had with him, I told him, we are going to have to respond to your notice of default, and please understand, as far as I'm concerned, while that's a legal technicality, we are on track and we are going to continue working with you to make this project happen. And so I guess in short, if, if we were to explain this, in our, our short TV block to people, what's next? Now that you, you like you said, you'll be submitting this timetable hopefully by Friday. What's next is we submit this timetable to him by Friday, 
and he starts the process of making the modifications, making the submissions to the plan department, and we stay on schedule. At this point, I mean, there's a big hole in the ground. It seems like you're saying there's council members that are kind of poisoning the well on this. And if, why would they do that if there's the hole is there? And someone well, remember, his hotel there. goes across the street. His hotel goes across the street. Uh, we'll do a whole new RFP uh, having nothing to do with the Beitler organization over the parking ramp uh, behind the municipal building. Um, but, I mean, you know, you look at it very bluntly and you look at some of the things that were said on the council floor about the project and about Mr. Beitler, and it doesn't make the negotiations any easier. I mean, there I am um, trying to negotiate to get us our objective, which is a hotel which will allow Monona Terrace to expand its block of business, which is good for the city, which will bring in more tax revenue, and we get a lot of people uh, making personal comments and, and making this thing more inflammatory. And that's one of the reasons why you try and keep this, uh, when you're in the middle of delicate negotiations, you try and make sure it is not something that's being aired uh, in the fashion that it has been. We had scheduled a uh, briefing for the Finance Committee for next Monday. We'll continue to uh, go ahead with that, and I'm hoping that I will be able at that time to say that as of Friday this week, we delivered the timetable to Beitler, and uh, he has overlooked uh, a lot of the things that were said in the last 24 hours, and we are going to move forward with this project. When you said we are aligned in the singular goal of getting the hotel constructed, are you talking about the city, you, and Beitler? Yes. Um, so The city and Beitler. So you feel that Beitler is still a productive partner for the city to have in the I project? I don't know because I don't know as of this hour uh, whether or not the message I got from him this morning was uh, sent uh, with knowledge of the news stories that came out today. If they are, I've got a certain amount of relief. If not, stay tuned. Um, but I did tell him that I would be available. I did try calling him earlier today, and I left a message indicating I'd be available later this afternoon to talk about all of this. I mean, whether or not you're doing development agreements or labor contracts, you know, the idea is you keep the parties at the table, you keep talking, and you don't make it personal. How long has this been in the works now? I know that I, I've been here for about nine months, and I know it was prior to yeah. me getting here. Well, specifically with Mr. Beitler, it's been about two years. And um, has the monetary changed at all with some of the No, we're still within the city. Are? We're still within the city budget. And, you know, let's, let's keep this in mind. The old parking ramp had to go down. It had to be replaced. That is a cost that goes through the parking utility that was inevitable. And whether or not we were to do the hotel or any other development, that is an expense that would have been occurred no matter what. Aside from that, 
in terms of actual public dollars, we're talking about $2 million. And we certainly expect within the first 8 to 10 years to recover that in tax revenues. The $2 million is for the entire public participation on both blocks. All right. We're good. Sure. Uh, where are things at with Buckeye Road? I know the county responded and the city engineer is going to draft a response. A rose by any other name is a rose. A thorn by any other name is a thorn. The county responded with a proposal saying they were not asking for a jurisdictional tra transfer, but if you look at the content of what they are doing, it is the same as a jurisdictional transfer. A jurisdictional transfer by any other name is a jurisdictional transfer. I thought then they responded another time saying, okay, no jurisdictional tra transfer, but just asking the city to take snow plowing. Is that what you're saying? That's a jurisdictional transfer. We're not calling it a jurisdictional transfer, but we want to put the largest, greatest cost onto your shoulders because you, City of Madison, even though we've just collected $2 million more million from your residents for the wheel tax, because you pay 50% uh, or so of the county highway budget from property taxes and other revenues and the sales tax that's generated here, but we hardly give you any other road services, we do not consider you part of Dane County. We'd like your money but we don't like to share it with any of the services you need. That's what's going on on this. Another topic change. Um, I know it's a county issue, but the Henry Vilas Zoological <laughs> Society, I didn't know if you had a comment on the partnership between the society and the county. I know that the city used to deal with that partnership, I believe. All right, three things. Um, and you got to understand, I am not involved in these discussions. One, the original trust grant of the zoo property requires that the zoo have free admission. And so saying that in any way what's going on there may lead to admission fees for the zoo is out of the question because if they were to try to uh, uh, charge a fee for admission to the zoo, the land and all the property is going to revert back to the Vilas estate and the heirs. So that's the first thing we need clarification on. Second thing, uh, just a comment in general about the question of endowments. One of the things that we've learned, and this is classical, is that when there is public support for uh, these kinds of enterprises, cultural, civic, an endowment is absolutely critical. It was a lack of endowment that led to two crises involving overture, which eventually led, in effect, to its privatization. And so um, I argue caution, and I argue in support of, 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 of an endowment, a robust 
healthy endowment. And as we see, when recessionary times, depressionary times hit, the revenues of donors dry out, and that's when you desperately need the revenues of an endowment. It's not when times are robust and healthy. The third thing, which I'd like clarification on and I don't understand, is the question of, in effect, certification of the zoo. I've heard it said that uh, one of the reasons for breaking the ties with the society is to protect the Jews, the, the, the zoo's um, uh, certification. And I don't understand. I don't understand what the zoological society has to do with the certification of the zoo. And I'd like to learn more about that just as a resident of the community and somebody who goes to the zoo. So have we got anything else? Flooding, yeah, uh, salt? Uh, how do you feel about the closing of the, I believe it's, I have not been to this restaurant because I'm a little bit of a newbie, but the Telus Mater. Telus Mater. Yeah, they're closing up. How do you feel about that? Well, it's something that uh, I'm not surprised at, and I believe it's a combination of factors. It includes the challenges that brick-and-mortar stores face. It reflects a changing economy, but I would just hope that my worst fear hasn't been realized, which is the absence of other retail on State Street with the advent of all the beer and the wine and the liquor licenses did not contribute. When it comes to retail, aggregation is critical, and you have to have other retail around you to be healthy and viable. And as you all know, we've seen a significant reduction in the amount of retail on State Street, and I just can't help but wonder that that might have had something to do with, with the closing. Um, I'm just waiting for somebody to come in and ask for a liquor license for the site. Are there any updates to flooding that we should know about? There is nothing new here in the city. Everything is looking pretty good. And, uh, you know, we, by the way, we did see the report, and we certainly concur that the initial work that needs to be done is all of what you might call that down lake or downstream recommendations that include dredging, more aggressive weed harvesting, dealing with the obstructions that prevent the smooth flow of water out of Lake Monona so that then there's no problem releasing water into Lake Mendota. Uh, one of the great challenges that I think uh, ought to be tackled but probably will be avoided initially is the partial man-made dam, namely the rail trestle, which really uh, constricts the flow of water further to the south.